Good evening, everybody. Welcome to the Blue Abroad Show, Monday, the 11th of April. I'm your host, Tez. I've got Pommy with me. Pommy, what a time to start the show. <laughs> hey, what a time. I mean, come on, we're veterans of this, doing this show after a loss. This is this is familiar territory. I feel safe here. This is my comfort blanket. Yeah, this is uh, therapy at its finest. We haven't really had a session like this all season. We've We've uh, almost had far too many of them last year, and I know we've just been rocked by some some AFLW news as well, which we will touch on. Um, but mate, how are you going? What's what's happening? I'm I'm good, I suppose. I'm I'm good. Uh, obviously disappointed the weekend, but all in all, I'm, I'm still here. So that's the main thing. Yes, absolutely. Um, it was uh, it was a very it's a very interesting weekend because like I was I was saying to myself I hate the Sunday graveyard shift because it's the last game of the round because you don't really get to enjoy it if you win. Um we lost and pretty disappointingly and it's going to be actually a blessing in disguise because we turn around pretty quickly and we can you know start talking about round 5 already. That is one of the positives that I've taken with me doing previews and reviews like yourself with uh, Bolton and Teague's era. If it is a Sunday game, you've only got two days to be negative and then it's straight back onto the hopeful train. So you've got two days to deal with it and um, work something out, I suppose, like they have. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're going to play the old intro just because it makes us happy. And then we're, uh, we're going to go from there. Martin's been very impressive. Every single report. Thanks all the Colin Porters. Thank you for all the love. Nice. 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 Running around here, we're going to have a bit of a chat about the AFLW while your names appear down the bottom. If you are interested in joining as a member of the channel, just hit the join button. It's right next to the subscribe button on YouTube. Now, Pom, let's just knock this one off because um, 20 minutes ago, we were rocked with the news that I think a lot of us knew was coming in that um, Matty Presparkis is going to be joining the Essendon Football Club uh, and the new expansion team. However, I was not aware that Georgia G would also be leaving. So we've just found out that they'll both be going to Essendon. What are your initial thoughts? It's still very raw for me. I'm probably the worst person to ask because that's like leaving my Rangers to go to Celtic. So, I mean, as soon as you do that, you are officially dead to me. Mm. Um, I expected Prosparkis. I thought that was the worst kept secret in the world. G is... It, I mean, it, it, it's like taking my wife off me and then taking my daughter as well. It's like a, it's a bit of a piss take that, but you've got to bounce. I mean, you've you've got to rock. This is going to be a common theme of this show. You've got to roll with the punch, punches. Um, hopefully, we get some good compensation. One of the blessings in disguise, Mimi Hill has looked phenomenal, phenomenal this year, and I think she offers a lot more than Prasparkis does. I do. I said it, me and Chan covered this a couple of weeks ago in one of the last ones that the beautiful thing about Mimi Hill is she's the modern day AFLW footballer. Maddie is the old school footballer because she's big and tough and not many of the girls can compete with that. They're coming through now. So Mimi, you can build a team around. Hopefully we get some decent compensation. There's a lot of cracks to appear in our AFLW list. So they'll have a decent amount. So onwards and upwards. I find the AFLW challenges me in the way I think about the game constantly, whether it be on the field or off the field, because for me, getting into the AFLW, and in particular our our team, it was Georgia G and Matty Presparkis were two of my probably five or six players that I latched onto. I love watching them play, exciting, um, you know, just, just good players and I guess now when I look back at that patch, those you know three or four games earlier in the season that just passed, where things just looked really dysfunctional and disconnected and 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 whatnot, I, I wonder if this 
was at play. And I wonder if this was subconsciously in the back of some of their minds. I understand the league's expanding and it's just unfortunate to be a supporter at this time when you lose players of the ilk that we have. I don't know. I guess the way I've learned about this game is the loyalty factor and going to Essendon is a, is a big deal. But then on the other side, I've, I've, I'm almost forced to think about it differently than what I would the men. You know, if Patrick Cripps was to go to Essendon, I'd be, oh, mate, I'd be, I'd be distraught. I'd be absolutely distraught if that happened. But apparently this is just the way it is in the AFLW because it's it's a young league, it's a young game, it's, you know, you've got to go and take your opportunities and I totally respect that. And, you know, I would never begrudge Maddie or Georgia for doing for doing what they felt was best for them. It's just, you know, the the the, the loyal supporter in me comes out and I almost didn't want to talk about it because I didn't have anything really nice to say, but it is what it is. Well, that's, that's one way to put it. I mean, honestly, I, I'm not a fan. <laughs> that's one way to put it. <laughs> no, nah, I'm not a fan. I mean, I understand that they don't get a lot of money and shit like that. I understand that. But, I mean, that is what it is. That's the nature of the beast. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, unfortunately, there has to be an area of loyalty, though. Do you know what I mean? There has mm. to be an area of loyalty. And Bree Davey, Prasparkis now, G out of the blue... It's a common reoccurrence that the, these clubs are losing the players. And it seems to be Carlton at the highest level are losing their top-end talent quicker than any other club. So my question really here is, what the fuck is going on behind closed doors? Because Katie Lyons didn't want to go. Do you know what I mean? Katie Lyons, what, she said she wanted to stay. So there's obviously an issue with getting players to stay, which for me, I'm not a big fan because... Of all the clubs, Essendon is it, and I understand you support them and stuff, but do you know what I mean? It, it hurts for a fan, and do you know what I mean? I, I spent all watch along booing Levi Casbolt. You, you don't play for another club, and as far as I'm concerned, Georgia G, Maddie Prasparkis, who? Yeah, I, I don't know. I guess I just need to except the fact that this is the landscape we, you know, that we live in now with the AFLW. And, you know, we, I remember asking the question when I was going to the games early this season, like, what is the going on? What is the environment in which these players are playing? Because they, they had kicked maybe two or three goals in three weeks. It was, it was just really bad. It was just a completely dysfunctional, disconnected team. And uh, it's just tough. You know, I'm, I've now been fortunate through the you know sponsorship of Charlotte Wilson and I've had a couple of functions that I've gone to and I've I've met some of them and through that experience I've really I've really connected with the AFLW group I really love them I really I really have a, a serious love for them and I've you know I appreciate them um, you know Charlotte's a ripper you know Mimi's a vibe you know they're, they're just great human beings and I think the the main takeaway of the AFLW team that we have is they really really do care about the fans. And they go above and beyond to give their time. Um, you know, the best and fairest um, that just passed. And obviously, Press Park has just, just wanted. And I'm going to be honest, it was uncomfortable because I knew she was leaving deep down. And I did not think she was the best and fairest player of the season. It was really strange. And I talking to people on the table, it just had a really weird vibe about it. Even her speech had a really uncomfortable, just weird energy around it. I, I, it just, I don't know. I sensed something was off and, and it was. This, I mean, it, I mean, obviously my culture is totally different to your culture. Like, and I know men's is different to women's. I think the big problem with the AFLW is you look at expansions and expansion drafts in the other disciplines, NFL and NBA, they have what's called the protected player rule. So new teams come in and we need to fill them up with talent. You can protect players. So obviously they can't just build a super team. I find it really hard to understand how the AFLW can be taken seriously when literally a new team like Essendon can come in and take two of the best under 23s in the competition. Richmond have done it. Do you know what I mean? Gold Coast, GWS, they've done it. 
it feels really bizarre to me anyway. And that's not Carlton's fault. That's the AFLW. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, whoever's come up with that rule is bizarre. If we see something, though, like Casbol, I can forgive them at the moment and fuck them. They're going to a different club and I won't say anything about it. I draw the line, though, when you start seeing players kiss the thing. Levi Casbol did that at the weekend. I'll tell you what. If you were a it, Chris Boyd played for both great clubs, well, I'll say great clubs, I'll say it with respect. Tell you what, if he kissed the Rangers bad after going to Celtic, he would not survive in Glasgow for more than two minutes. So it's a big thing for that. I do want to see some more loyalty. And I, I think it's dying. I think that that sport, we, we're now going to get into a new realm here, Pom ranting. But that sport nowadays, loyalty has died. These rivalries don't mean anything apart from us. And that annoys me a little bit because rivalries make the sport. And mm. I think the AFLW is too friendly with this. Can you imagine, look at what happens with the men. When Essendon want to do a deal with Carlton, they take us to the cleaners. When we want to do a deal with them, we take them to the cleaners. We play hardball. And it's slowly starting to filter away. And AFLW is a new competition. This Essendon-Carlton rivalry is a figment of imagination in the women's game. Yeah, I guess I'm just bringing what I've always known to be as a, as a Carlton supporter. You know, the, the rivalry with Collingwood and, and Essendon. But ultimately, those themes and those issues don't have any weight when it comes to the AFLW. And that's something I've just learned to deal with. It's just, it is what it is. If anything, yeah, uh, you know, that's something I'm learning along the way, I guess. And it, and that is, in some respects, the beauty of the AFLW because it challenges the norm and it and it invites innovation and, and new ways of doing things. Um, I actually don't have an issue with the expansion. I do understand it. Just get everyone to the starting line and then start the competition. Um, but anyway, good luck to Georgia and Maddie. It was uh, it was good to have nah, you. No, good luck. I don't share that sentiment. Fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> Hope your career nose dives. <laughs> um, we've got a few new members of the channel: Stama Dicky, Josh White, Peter V. Bluebagger. I think Peter's a returning member as well. Thank you very much for that. Um, okay, let's let's get into let's get into the men. Let's get into the men. Let's let's. Um, <laughs> this was. <laughs> I sense that people were waiting for a loss just so they could unleash the wrath that they had been building up in the preseason and I don't know um Paul I'm gonna ask you to give me a high level of the game and in the meantime you guys at home give us three words to describe whatever that was uh, in round four against the Suns structurally outclassed at times um slow to react uh, an old golf pro when I was 15 and representing the north of England said to me, son, if you want to be good at this game, you control what you can control, react to what you can. And remember, a bad per player reacts to what he can control and then uses it as an excuse. That was a big thing for me, that a lot of the areas we got battered in were areas that traditionally we should be strong in. And if you watch Wits versus... Mr. TDK, you watch our midfield in the stoppages particularly get absolutely overrun and they were reacting to that. They were five metres behind the contest and we started throwing men behind it. It started to really show and it shows this side. Got to remember though, this side is coming from a long way back, a long way back. And I'm not going to defend them because you know me, I'm critical all the time of this team. I want perfection. But they were miles, miles away from the standard. And that's something that Voss is going to have to do. This group is a temperamental group historically. They're a temperamental group. And you can't argue any other way. They've got, they've got to be sharper. And it's been three weeks in a row that once that corridor goes, Cowton struggles. So now it's over to Mr. Voss. Make some magical changes. I think the changes are very obvious where we're going wrong. But... Three weeks, three weeks in a row, shallow entries. Once you get us down out wide, it becomes shallower and shallower. Colonel and Harry look for the ball and they start come ball hunting. Levi was a masterclass of staying in the goal square, creating separation from our defense. It was it was it was a worry, really. But that being said, it is fixable. It is fixable. Yeah. And I assure 
he will fix it. Yeah, I, I when when I think about the whole package now, what we've seen with you know this new group. Uh, if we start, if we go all the way back to practice match against St Kilda, saw something different there for the positive, a little bit inconsistent, but something positive. Then we had the Melbourne game. We're pretty pleased with that. Um, still some areas to improve on. It was the thing that I've remember I've remembered from back then to now is it's literally just been the same message. Vossi on the fourth of might have been the fourth of March when we played Melbourne. It was after the Melbourne game, and he said that we're we're a long way off it. Or, you know, we've got a lot to do, a lot of work to do. Obviously, we play round one, we get the job done, positive. Round two, really positive start. Second half, sort of holding on, just uh, trying to control the game. Round three gets Hawthorne, really good first quarter. And then, you know, the ensuing quarters, just holding on again. And I'm just not panicking just yet. I, I did sense that everyone, was, a lot of people, not everyone, were ready to just go out the old way that we used to react to losses from last year. And, you know, you have one loss and it's just say any bad word you can, throw anybody in on the selection table, um, drop everyone. I actually, for the, first time in a, for the first time in a while, I mean, I saw a lot of the rhetoric around, you know, oh, you know, O'Brien and Setterfield and Plowman and Fisher, but no one's mentioning the real people that, that lost on the day. And that was our better players. That was, that was Kennedy. It was Chera to a, to a degree, Sam Walsh, um, Harry and Charlie at times, you know, Jacob Wiedering at times, our, our better players, no one's really wanting to talk about them. And I just think it was a loss that was coming at some point. And dare I say it, people, we might lose another game this year. Goodness me. Dare we'll I dare I say it? We we might lose one more game. Well, you know, lose it's going to come. Yeah, well, you lose an awful lot, and you've got to mark your words. Like you know, we joke about lids off and stuff. Sometimes I, I think the fan base think we're being literal when we say lids off. I mean, uh, the other week on the team, we're going to lose about eight games minimum, and that's a good thing. Yeah, I remember saying that we like dog minimum eight games. What I find weird is, and I mean this with love because I'm nothing without the fan base, but what scares me is we lose that game and it's huge panic alarms from the fan base. And you've got to remember that voice got us Teague. That voice got us Bolton. That voice of disenchantment's done a lot of things. So we've got to use it practically. And I want to paint this picture at the moment. And I, I, I sensed it coming last week. I started to get a sense with all the bollocks in the media about a one-dimensional game plan. And that's all I've heard from fans this week. Very one-dimensional. You've got to remember that Carlton, from a structural point of view, in the last three years, have had no game plan. Have had no game plan that actually paints that Carlton are progressing. Next to that, Voss, this stat of Cowton's dominance around the clearance and scoring from midfield chains. Cowton have actually gone from 17th to 1st in that stat up until last week. Now, I want you to picture a scene. If you had $10,000 and you know the car is going to cost $50,000 to replace, right? You're going to fix the things that make it go first before you start fannying around with a lever the dashboard, changing the CD player, making it an MP3. So Voss has only had a small amount of time and the work he's done, you've only got to check the stats yourself, are phenomenal, a phenomenal and full credit to Voss. Now where I'm coming from it is in a practical point of view. We need to start adding these layers because we can compete when it's central. What can we do there? And that is going to take a bit of time and it is going to take a bit bit of time and this week was a lesson so now there's options there on the pine and I think really in my video I thought it was very easy how to fix and from looking at how the VFL is playing I think it'll be fixed very quick because the role that these boys are doing who are coming in are going to be fine because they're playing a different role to what you're seeing in the seniors yeah I mean look it, it was a it was a group that just lacked 
the I mean, we had seen the energy that they had been playing with over the first, you know, uh, three games, or if you count the preseason games, they were playing with a real spark and a real energy. And that is really difficult to just keep for 22 rounds, particularly when you're talking about this group and how dysfunctional and disinterested at times they looked in 2021 and and and, and in ill-disciplined as well. So um, I'm in a really, in a really weird way, I'm excited. I'm excited because I think as the season goes on, the cream rises to the top and the shit falls to the bottom. And I think it's going to just expose exactly what Michael Voss needs to see. And it's now that he gets to really see what he needs to do. And, and we as the fans get to really see what he's about and what this coaching group's about. Because, um, you know, when you win, it, it can paper over the cracks. It is positive. You always want to be learning in a win like we did last week. Um, but the way in which the coaching group communicates to our players now and the way in which the players respond to that feedback now that we've lost is something I'm I'm really excited for. Mate, I'm with you. I, I mean, I think the big thing for me, the big takeout, and these are the only two things that I've disagreed with Voss, and you've said one of them. Learning in a win is good. I think it's opposite. I think if you teach anything, anyone, and they're still successful when they're learning a plan, they've always got the old way to fall back on and say, well, it worked. Do you know what I mean? When they try something and it's wrong and they get the negative feedback from their own eyes, that's a good thing. I think the second thing for me and a big thing, and no one's talked about this, all the pundits and the analysts, and it absolutely scares me, They've been quick to tell me why Voss's game is shit. They haven't told me why Voss's game won three games for the first three weeks and the fourth week he lost. And a big one for me is tackle efficiency. Carlton this week, and Voss made a comment himself, it was amazing how we won the tackle count, but they always found a handball out. And that's because Carlton simply don't tackle and hold the arms. Fisher, all of his tackles were handball released. Cripper, his two tackles at the start of the game were handball released. Why George Hewitt stands out is because when he tackles you, you're dead. And it's what's amazing about Hewitt, he is. And I want you to all look at the goals. And someone said it, I can't remember who it was in the watch-along, but they said, watching Carlton concede a goal out the back is the same as every game I've ever seen. It's because Carlton have to tackle in pairs. We don't bring you to ground. At the moment, that is something you can see is alien to this team. And we have no inside 50 tackles. We had two, our lowest of the year, going all the way back to David Teague, that. They're just two key fundamentals to his powerful brand. They dis, they, they, they went away. Add the fact that Pitternet is the leading hit-out guy in, in the comp. And TDK, I hate to say it to the Carlton faithful, he's nowhere near being a full-time Ruckman. And I gave Pitt lots of love last year. There it is. And... The big one for me, scoreboard pressure, and Gavin Whelan nails it here. We didn't make the most of our momentum in the third quarter. The reason why Doggies lost, the reason Hawthorne lost, that round, that quarter three for Carlton was quarter three for Hawthorne. The pressure came on every kick. Carlton kicked five behinds in a row. You kick them goals all the time when you're ahead. That's what Carlton mm. have done. That pressure came. So... Got to remember, long way to go for this side. It's not the finished article. We start panicking at the bye. Start panicking at the bye if this keeps happening. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I I did my player ratings today and I watched it back and I realized I need to make adjustments straight away because I gave, I think, Kennedy and Chera both above a five and that shouldn't have happened. So I needed to um, put that out there. Um what were some of the other themes coming out of the game for you? Because we spoke earlier today and... Um, you made mention of, you know, stoppages and you did the scouting report and you spoke a bit about the way Jared Witts rucks and the way Took Miller moves at contests. Um, what, what did you see? Well, I thought this was Kennedy's worst game by a mile and I've always been a fan of Kennedy as a role player, but I thought what you saw in this game was Kennedy implode. And you look at his heat map, which is available on the AFL.com website. Look how far back he is. It is absolutely disgusting. And he's reacted to what we talked about in the scout report. Tuck Miller is weird. He starts where Hewitt does. 
in all stoppages, which is about five metres away. And he just makes a beeline. And what that does is it creates a rushed kick because you're like, oh, shit, he's here again. Or two, it just draws players to him. And you watch, the only player who didn't fall for that trap was Hewitt. Hewitt would just look and be like, it was this melt. And right, someone else has got the ball. And he reacted to that. The other thing that was really noticeable was we talked about all but two of Witt's hit outs fell at his feet. He's very accomplished at doing that. There's a reason it's really good defensively because everyone's around it. Carlton really struggled to handle that motion. It was a real struggle for them. Players started to not get their head over the ball. We panicked and we overused the handball in them situations and they were already there. So they were the two noticeables for me, which were totally different to the last couple of weeks. If we'd watched GWS, that handball would have gone to Hewitt. Hewitt would have spread the play, got it uncontested. And that is the key to beating Hawthorne, as proven by St Kilda, a team that do all their work away from the contest, decimated them. You can't close yeah. the corridor to St Kilda. They kill you. Mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, let's move on to the votes. So those of you playing along at home, give your three, your two, and your one in the comments, and I will put them up on screen. Pom, how did you see it? Three votes. Adam Saab, unbelievable work rate, considering that he's celebrating Ramadan as well. So he's doing it the hard way. Sensational run and carry. Number two, two votes, Doc. And one vote, my new favourite player. I love everything about him, George Hewitt. Tell you what, outstanding kid. Outstanding. Love it. I went, um, I gave three votes to my man. My man, Zach Williams. Um, I gave him the love this week. I thought, uh, I actually think he's playing almost career best footy. I think he's really, he, he seems to be playing with a real clarity and a real certainty of what he's doing. Uh, I think there's been many times already this season where we're under pressure and some of the, the relief that he's able to give us with his kicking has been sensational. Um, I think you could have given the three to a couple others as well, but I just wanted to give some personal love to Zach Williams, given uh, the criticism he's come under last season, but he, he started the season really well for us, I think. I gave two to George Hewitt because he was probably the only midfielder that stood up. And again, I will remind that our midfield let us down badly this week with our, together with our ruck division as well. There was our midfield, apart from Hewitt, I would say, we were really let down. Um, so Hewitt for two, and then, yeah, Adam Saad for the one. I thought he was great. I, I mean, all four of those halfback flankers, Saad, Williams, Doc, and even Newman um, at times as well. But uh, three or four of those guys, they were, they were really good, and that's because they were under the pump. The ball was just there so much. Well, you've got a big problem if you're three votes any more than two of them are halfback flankers. You've got big issues. It says a lot about the game. Um, yeah, I, I agree. With you. I, I, the only reason I didn't have Williams in my vote is I thought in the pressure moments with his kicking, it came unstuck. And that's probably because I've got such a high expectation of him. He probably does deserve to be in the three votes. It's probably me being harsh and just falling in love with the beard of Saad, to be fair. Like, I've got something about George Hewitt's hardness and Saad's beautiful running. And that's a big issue for Carlton. He stood out because no one else ran with the fucker. Well, let's talk a bit more about this midfield again. So, Chera, Walsh, Kennedy, was it just a bad, was it just an off day? Was it just an off day that it didn't work for the, the three of them? Walsh wasn't as bad as probably the other two, but still didn't seem to have a, a, a connection. And that's really been the theme of, of Vossi. It's being connected. I thought we we lacked something in that midfield in terms of the spark. And again, I don't want to read, I'm, I'm at a danger of reading too far into it. And maybe it's just a bad week. And, you know, we'll respond this week and we'll continue on our merry way and, and improve from here. But um, what's the key for Kennedy, Chera and Walsh this week? I know this is harsh, but I mean, I think the problem I had with Kennedy particularly was it was opportunity to stand up. I thought the first three weeks, he's been given so much freedom to be the second man to the ball, almost the third at times. And it's kind of the happy accident. I thought this week without Crips, and I don't believe no Crips, no Cow, and I don't believe it. I think you look at the Fremantle no. game a couple yeah. of years ago, everyone stood up. 
There's been a few times that Cowan have stood up without Crips to the extent that last year we were talking, get rid of Crips for four weeks. We always do well. I felt it's a combination of two. I think one, that they were shell-shocked, massively shell-shocked, and I'm shocked they were shocked that wits would kill them. I thought that was the biggest no-brainer in the world. Second, I just think, and the impression I got from Voss, sometimes you can be a shit, just shit, and they they were shit. And like you said, it's all right picking on Plowman. It's all right picking on Satterfield. It's all right picking on these guys that you can take or leave. But we do expect, I would have expected when Crips went off, Walsh, Chesney, Chera, sorry, and uh, Mr. Kennedy to really stand up based on what they've produced. So a, a, a lot a lot of questions to ask there. And the rumours are Crips is back this week. Thank Christ, because if I'm Crips, that's the first thing I say this weekend in training. Cheers for letting me down, boys. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, Up the Bag is on Twitter, is reporting that Durden, Stocker, Pitto and Crips will all be available. But we will talk about that shortly. We're going to talk about the Port Adelaide game and, and changes and whatnot. Um, I did want to bring something else up. Just just a thought that I had, and, and probably we were talking about it before the show. Um, the wing position, more, more particularly with Setterfield. I have this notion with him that he's just an inside midfielder playing on the wing. And I think he's a really... I think his best attribute is handballing in traffic and I'm just wondering just wondering if well I mean we, we've just been told Cripps will likely get up but if he doesn't get up are we bringing in Paddy down or are we putting in set field to play a little bit more inside and maybe moving Chera to play a more outside role for me I think when you look at the you look at how Carlton structure their back line it's protecting and the aggressive players are behind Satterfield. Even the aggressive forwards are behind Satterfield. Satterfield's doing a role where his whole game plan isn't to deliver the ball inside 50, which is coming unstuck. Not many wingers in the AFL have 50% kick-to-handball ratio and turn it over every time they handball it. You watch Satterfield, he gets lost in fourth, handballs it straight up in the air. He did it three times. It's, it's poo. I've been petitioning for it for a while. For me, I think the move is Chera goes on the wing. I don't think Chera and Walsh can efficiently play on the ball all the time, which allows Dow to come into that moment because I think Dow gives something that Kennedy doesn't. I think that is something that Dow has impressed me. He's been tough to the ball. He's really brought a lot in. I said give him four or five weeks. He's backed it up week on week in. Week in. Insane numbers from the pressure point of view as well. And I think if Chera goes there, that means Stocker comes in behind him. You have that extra extra bit of reliability, and I think you're fine. I think you actually will then see a naturally wider game. At the moment, you see Setterfield, like you say, all them, them three years with us playing on the ball, still reigns true at times. He, he starts to lose his width, which when the corridor's cut off, game over. So... I like that move, and I think that's the move moving forward. Yeah, yeah. The, the other one that seemed to be a bit of a talking point was um, we'll talk about the forwards, the big boys. Um, I, I, I found it. I mean, they got their shots on goal, but you just, I just was left wondering if they had played a little bit of an immature performance. Now, Harry obviously copped a really bad knock to the nose; it was busted up and bleeding, and that would have been really really uncomfortable um but just the way that they rushed some of their some of their kicks and and just i just feel like we need them to be a lot more assured when we have those shots on goal in the third as well i mean it's interesting that harry and charlie there was a stat someone showed me last week that they both go about 80 percent from playing on inside 50 to kick snags and it was interesting in the third quarter both of them started to go in there, started to just play on, almost as if, boom, I'm going to kick this goal. And again, that goes back to the scoreboard pressure. These boys needed to kick it. They feel more safe playing on, which is a big issue for me. In the third, it was very, I felt very immature. And I'd expect better off Charlie and Harry, especially the Coleman medalist, to take a bit of time. There was that moment as well where you saw Lockie O'Brien could have taken the extra five steps 
Always did it as well. Could have taken the extra five steps. He wanted to get rid of the ball. There was a lot of players in that third, even though they had the ascendancy, they wanted to get rid of the ball. And that's something that I think Voss will sort out. Like, he'll sort it out. So, the one I want to ask about, and I don't know what the audience think, is what's happened to Jack Martin's marking ability? Um, you th- I don't know. W- w- you you feel like he's he's lost something? He's an interesting one. He had the I think he had the seven marks in the end. He, he took a few around the ground, but just he just seems to be the same type of player. Just sort of just there, just there one moment, and then just not there for a while, and then he'll pop up here and there. I'm not sure. I'm just not sure. Maybe look, listen. It's his first or second full proper game, maybe he's just going to work into the season. I'm just not sure where he's at, if I'm honest. I'm not filled with confidence. It was really hard to watch because you saw we made the change. It's really interesting. If you look at the third and fourth quarter, Charlie and Harry spent their time up the ground almost as wingmen, which is where usually JSOS and the legend that is um, Jack Martin lived their ground, and Jack yeah. Martin started to drop more, go further forward. And yeah. he did really well, Martin, when he went behind the ball and he took them easy marks. But my issue is, is you see how Martin plays and Jasos, they come up on half forward flank and they're that conduit to go back inside. Martin spilled a lot of them marks. I know he had a decent amount in the end, but that game could have. That's one of them games with Jack Martin that really frustrates me. It could have been so much more. I'm not saying if Jack Martin had taken them marks, we would have won. But I feel like if Jack Martin had taken them marks, who knows when we had the momentum in the first 10 minutes. He spilled three in the first 10 minutes. Where that may have got us, that might have been that famous protection of the scoreboard front. So it's going to be a really interesting thing. Really interesting thing. I think Boss has got a lot of questions. I'm not worried because I think they are very fixable, but... I think it's time. I think it's time that we see what Voss is about, and this is the perfect opportunity. Are you in the camp of a senior player like Jack Martin, for example? Are you in the camp of poor performance? All right, out you go. Or are you in the camp of give you one more week to fix it, and then you're out? I think the way that the reserves are playing, I, I think top teams would would make the change. I, I didn't like Jack Martin coming in in straight away. I thought he looked very underdone in, in pre-season. Um, apart from the fourth quarter against Richmond, I thought he was a bit underdone. I understood he had to play this week. I, I understood that. But for me, I didn't. I, I do think that he's not a baby anymore. People forget that. He's been around a lot. Do you know what I mean? He's been around a lot. Jack Martin, yeah. it's, it's not like he's Corey Durden and he's had a quiet game or Matty Owies, he's had a quiet game. This guy is someone that, and I want Carlton fans to get like you've said, we need to look at our big game players, not our role players. Martin is a big game player. That's He's of the age now. He's sixth oldest on the list. He's got to be, he's got, he's got to be performing. So I, I think that's a question for Mr. Voss. If I was Voss, yeah. he wouldn't be there. Yeah, I think I I just sense people are just used to blaming Setterfield, O'Brien, Fisher, and Plowman. I mean, last year, those games where we didn't play very well, those type of players, Setterfield, O'Brien, and Fisher in particular, we were seeing 12, 13 possessions next to their name in those poor losses. Setterfield had his 20. I think Lockie O'Brien had 17. And I think Fisher had 18. Like they're far from the problem. They're, if anything, sacrificing their game. Uh, particularly on the wing, because they're relying on us to win the ball, to get it out to them. They're not, they're not actually able to win the ball. So I, I think there's a bit of perspective needed there for sure. Um, we're going, and, and then also, I think there was a bit of rhetoric. I can see here, Peter V was saying, um, like Motlop would be above Martin. Well, Motlop's not available. That's that's There's that as well. So we couldn't bring Motlop in this week. I know we had a good game last week. Uh, that might be a good segue into the next bit of um, the news. Let's talk about the reserves. This was the positive of the day. This was the positive, to be honest, arguably the story of the year. We'll start with, before we get into the game, can we get, can we give it up for Paolo? Paul Sebastiani. Just, ah, just, he he did the, um, did the call of the game. I cannot believe he did it on his own for four quarters. 
And I just think I, I get a real kick out of seeing people achieve their, you know, what their dreams are and ambitions are. And to see Paul doing that and listening to him while on the couch call the game was, was just fascinating. And I hope that I'm not sure who's in charge of that, but I hope if it's the club, I hope we get him doing more of those games. If it's the AFL, well, maybe we all need to lobby and and, and get him doing all of our reserves games because he was sensational. Well, I've watched a lot of VFL and I do the VFL previews and reviews. And I'll tell you what, had pleasure having Paolo there because the last mug they gave me started telling me about the pizza shop that was in the background of the Box Hill Hawks Oval for two minutes. And it took me ages to work out who had the touch while he talked about this nonsensical rubbish. But he was absolutely brilliant and it was a pleasure having Paolo. And it's great as well because it's nice to hear someone who has a beer. Do you know what I mean? When you, if you've had a beer with him, it's always nice to hear him chat. And uh, probably my favourite person who's bold under the age of 30 is Paolo. Oh, I've got a lot of time for him. <laughs> Indeed. Now, the game. Very interesting to see how they played. That was my big... Uh, I guess that's what I was looking for more than anything else. Like, how do the how do the reserves play compared to, to the AFL? And the pressure... At the, at the contest, I thought was just exceptional. It really stood out for me. It's interesting. Their fundamentals are very similar to ours. Um, mm. It's almost identical, really. If you actually look at the core data, it's, it's identical. It's identical. I think the biggest difference is, though, that our VFL team has natural wingers, and you look at the makeup down the back, they're all ball-playing defenders. They don't have the boring stay-at-home lockdowns like Carlton have done to compensate certain things. Um, I've got to say, shout out to Stocker. Um, you know what, Terry? You'll love this. I've had seven PMs, and I'll let them stay private, but all comparing Stocker to uh, Luke Hodge. Do you remember that video? We got panned for that statement. So just for some context, I'm going to get the video. I'm going to find it, and I'm going to repost it. So 2019, I reckon it was, Pom. It we was, went it was to, just when he was drafted. We went to Icon Park and we had just drafted Liam Stocker and Pom and I did a video about him and, and Pom referred to him in the way that he plays and looked at his stats and found a correlation to the way Luke Hodge played. And we spent months copying abuse for it. So it's good to see it turn around, mate. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, for me, that met, I think Stock is a huge cog in our back line because it allows the winger to be super aggressive. And you look at the VFL team, their wings are super aggressive. And sometimes the men, the seniors could learn how they penetrate inside 50 because the kick comes from 60 out. So it has to be on the goal square. And and Crocker does a brilliant job of staying in the goal square. But he was sensational. And what no one talks about with Stock is his defensive work. His defensive work... Last week, Emerson Jeckery played on, and then he played on the, the green, um, a little midget guy. He toweled both of them up. This week, same job as well. Had a tall guy, and then he had a small guy. And what I love about him, and this is what I bring him in for Plowman, because he can play that area, and he brings it to ground. And when he hits the ground, he looks to free himself up, looking for the one-two, and his delivery by foot is an absolute peach. For me, Stocker is a guy that, thank Christ, he's fine. And he's he's tracking well, like we predicted. Two years as a backman, we said, on the ball after that. So I reckon two, three years of this. And I reckon you may start to see next year him sneak into that on the ball time. But he's developed his game splendidly. Yeah, yeah. I think, and this isn't just to, to go at Lockie Plowman, but I think when, when I think about the situation of, Plowman and Stocks. I mean, that Plow for me, for the most part, he is a negating player. That that's what he is. Um, so, you know, defensively, he's solid, solid enough. Stock is solid enough as a defender, but it's really when the ball's in his hand, he he can create a lot more for us um, offensively from defense. But he does have that defensive mindset, and yeah, I, I think that's a bit of a bit of a no brainer as well. And I also love the fact that we got that extra game into Stocker rather than getting that first game in and then just putting him straight into the ones just to make sure. I think in the past, I feel like that's a situation where we just rush him into the side. So yeah, he would have been handy against the Suns, but I like the fact that we gave him that extra, um, 
that extra um, week to get him back to full confidence, full fitness. And I would guess, I don't know, but I would guess he comes in this week. 2000%. I think, I think what I've enjoyed about Carlton is they've delayed it. Um, another guy that we talked a lot about as well in the comments, Paddy Dow. Um, only played the three quarters, was removed for the fourth quarter. My spies at the ground tell me that that wasn't injury related. They were told directly by a big week at the club that that was pre-planned. Now, I'm not sure why that was, but Paddy Dow was phenomenal. And watching him closely for the last four weeks, back to doing what he does well. And those who watched Dow versus Chera, I always enjoyed this argument. People say we should have gone Chera. It's actually funny because if you actually listen to the Bendigo Pioneers, Pioneers coach, what he said about Dow, and this was 2016, he's a guy that's ready for AFL football now, got the ability to break lines and hit targets ad lib. However, if you want the A-grade midfield, you're going to have to slot him across half forward, watch him snag, build up that part of his game. Five, six kgs later in two years, this guy's ready to break the walls down. And I think you're looking at it now, Dow has put them weights on. And I think that's where Carlton made the mistake. They didn't listen to the Bendigo Pioneers boy. Do you know what I mean? They didn't listen to him. They played him straight on the ball. And exactly as they said, that was a worry. So he's been very good. And another one I want to talk about, Murkoff. Not ready for seniors, still a year away. But I tell you what, that kid's development is a... Is a I've never seen anyone develop like that, ever. Yeah, I think people were already calling for him to come into the ones. Uh, such was his, uh, such was his his performance. But yeah, he's. I had never really watched him play properly until the weekend, and his ability to make uh, or create space with his handball, um, he's just really, he's just really quick with his decision making. Usually, when you, when I think of a, a ruckman, I think it takes a little long for the the message to register from brain to hand to make the actual play, but he's got some real dexterity about him. He's the wonderful thing about Murkov is he's got the body positioning down pat, and he's always had that. His tap is very similar to Wits, straight down at his feet, straight down at his feet, straight down at his feet. That is for me what all good ruckmen his size need to do because to get in his zone, you're going to get hurt. If you're a midfielder, He's going to give you a little bit. He's going to give you a little bit. And the other thing that has improved out of sight, out of sight, is he's kicking. That Honestly, that that scares the Scooby-Doo out of me. I have no idea how I've done that because I remember the first game he played when Carlton drafted him. And honestly, I, I could kick better with my left. And my left is there just to uh, even me out. He he delivers some bullets. That 30-metre pass that he pulled oh. out. The inside fishing. Do you know what I mean? I was like, who's this kid? Who's this guy taking the piss? Yes. Huge, huge raps. So huge raps to um, O'Keefe, our development coach. I tell you what, we've never seen development before, but my boy, um, Okoy and Murkoff, the improvement in their games in the four weeks, absolutely out of sight blinding and it's great to see Dow playing with smiles big smiles and I've got to read this out before you don't do it because you hate compliments just wanted to give huge props to Big Tez on his work with Eat Up I know you won't read this out but Pom will brilliant stuff beast wonderful human I share that sentiment as well Terry starts a new job tomorrow chat and I'll tell you what it's a great opportunity for him but this guy is a selfless human being he's one of the good guys so big round of applause to you Tez thanks mate Appreciate it. Uh, yes, did finish up with Eat Up. Did some remarkable things with them. Um, they've been a big supporter of the channel. And to be honest, without Eat Up, there is no Blue Abroad. Uh, and that's the reality. They've really allowed this to grow uh, and now to a point where where it can sort of run itself, so to speak. So, yeah, new beginnings tomorrow. But um, we will get on with it because this is not about me. This is about the club. Now, <laughs> he doesn't well, do compliments, peeps. <laughs> um, let's talk about round five because we've got Port. I don't really want to get too much into the game, the style, the scouting report. We'll get to that. 
It's more so the changes. I want to have a discussion around that because I'm still a little unsure as to what the, the ethos will be. And I guess we don't know because we don't know what Voss and his message will be. Will he come out with a big message and make, you know, five, six changes or will he, will he back the certain guys in? Now, what we know right now is not a lot, but I would assume Durden is available. I would guess that Pitto's available. I would guess that, um, I would guess that McDonald would be available for selection or, or healthy. Um, obviously Motlop as well. So those of you at home, what would you do for changes this week? And Pom, what? what would you do? And the other one is Crips. We don't know yet. I know that up the baggers on Twitter said that he'd be fine, but it's not confirmed officially yet. Well, I've got Plowman out, Stocker in. Assuming Cripps is fit, nothing changes there. Satterfield out, Dow in. And Martin out, Durden in. So in that situation, um, and Pido? Oh, if, if he... Pido is fit, I haven't heard anything about him, but if Pido is fit, I'd imagine Fog comes out and Pitt comes in. And Pitt comes in. Yeah. So in that situation where, where Setterfield would potentially come out and Dow would come in, would you then, how would you play Dow? I would go back to the way that I thought how Chera did his best work at Fremantle, top five in the AFL for two years straight as a wingman. I think floating there 60% of the time, 40% of the time on the ball. And then I think Walsh can do the other 40%, which he did in 2020 when he had an absolute barnstorm in the year. And that allows Stocker to go down and there's the extra defence. And I think it gives us the width we need. And I think that now's the time. Now's the time to do that. I really do. So, I mean, that's what I would do. Whether Voss does it, I don't know. But I think yeah. the rotation on one wing with one wing on the other who's a permanent wing is is the way to go moving forward. I, I don't like the Satterfield experiment, but it's, it's the one thing that's remained from Teague. Defensive wingman. <laughs> Defensive wingman. Well, I'm just thinking like, I'd, I'd be curious to see a couple of center bounce center, center bounces with Paddy Dow and George Hewitt there on the defensive side of things. I wonder if that'd really help Paddy Dow because um, he's obviously see ball get ball first mentality. Uh, he wants to you know get that get that ball and and break a tackle and, and sort of explode from there. I just I don't know. I wouldn't be too fussed if Dow stayed in the reserves again. Just really, just nailing it down. Another week, another week. I'm, I'm, I'm loving the tough love. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of that. And I don't know if I'm ready to say it about Jack Martin yet. Maybe he needs a bit of tough love. Maybe he needs a little bit of a message sent because we, I, I just, I can't. It just frustrates me to watch him be so patchy in a game when I know he's got more to give. It's, it's a big thing for me, Martin, because. I know everyone hates it. Kemp's playing exactly the same role with the seniors in the VFL for that side. And I think he offers so much more at the minute because he does clunk the marks. And I think it's really easy why Cowton is so one-dimensional. It's because the kicks are coming from 75 out. The top teams kick just outside 50. And against Richmond, everyone was saying Jesus was the most underrated player on the planet. Do you know what I mean? Because that's what he was doing. Taking the mark 55 out, bang. I think Dow has to come in because I think that midfield needs that energy. And I'm telling you now, Dow, the way he's playing, man, is, is it, it, you have to see it. Is it a flash in the pan or is it not? So I think Martin has to be sacrificed. He's 26, 27 years old. If he can't do it week in, week out now, he's never going to. Dow's still got hope. And, and I know Diesel loves him. And I remember that conversation I had with him. And I remember he looked me and Riley in the eyes off camera and said, boys, he's he's been destroyed. He's been destroyed. And it broke. You could see he was almost tearing up because he was like, he's a natural footballer. He needs to play and he needs to enjoy it and do his job. That was the thing, do what his job is. And you're seeing that. And honestly, for me, I think, I, I think this is the game. Ollie winds out. This is the game that you bring him in and say, off you go, mate. Have a day out. Have a day out for your Uncle Vossi. I hope to see. I, my commentary is more around 
I just want to make sure when he comes back into the side that there's no there's no issue about his role, there's no confusion about what he's going to do, and I just want to have full faith that he's going to be able to to stay in the side. I don't want to get into a situation where he's in and then two weeks later he's out. I just I don't know. I, that's why I'm I'm thinking maybe maybe give him one more week, but we will see. I also I made a comment today as well, and I do mean it. I have. Maybe it's because it's still so early in the whole Voss era, but I just have this real just calmness or this faith because I have faith in the people that we've brought into the club to to coach not only the boys, but to coach the club in a sense as well. I, I really do have faith in who we have there to make the right calls over the course of a year. So there's another element there as well. I'm not really, I mean, I have suggestions and I have what I think might happen and, and some opinions and, and all of that, but ultimately couldn't care less what happens until we get the selection and then I'll just back that in. It's a really unique feeling that I haven't felt for for a while. And mate, I, someone who looks at a lot of raw data, I can tell you last year, seeing Cowton's name in some of the key indicators that Champs Data produce of bottom two, even though we were just outside the 10, even a chance of the eight at some stage, for me... To see us now leading the way in a lot of key measurements, a lot of key metrics, says to me that Voss, Hansen and co have nailed it. This is the first time I've ever looked at the VFL as well. And we've named two guys for two guys who were dog shit this week, who have battered the door down for two, three weeks. That never happens. Like, honestly, we answer a lot of questions, don't we, on this show? And what's the big one? Fucking reserves are shit. Oh, development. Tell you what, we've got two or three guys doing this. Let me in. Let me in. Get Johnny me in out. there. And, mate, honestly, if someone goes and watches the v anyone who hates Dal, go and watch the VFL game. Watch the one against Hawthorne. I have never seen Dal wrestle a guy off his mate who's been tackled and jump a punch the prick. I got out of my seat holding my kid. Because I was so excited. I was like, that was going to punch someone. Come on, mate. Kill him. He, he's got fight. He's got fire. And we've got to back him in. I'm with you. These guys aren't Muppets. These guys aren't, you know, Mark Lagoudiche's best mate who fucking makes a coffee. These are actually fucking football people, mate. Honestly, the last five, the last two coaches we had, Mickey Mouse. The last coaches on the job. Mickey Mouse, they won't come on this show because the audience knows more than they do about football. Oh, There's some real God. fucking people. So, yeah, we lost. Yeah, we were Mickey Mouse. Yeah, we got a reality check. But I'll tell you what, some of them numbers he's producing make my willy hard. And I'll tell you what, it's only going to get better, boys and girls. It's only going to get better, boys and girls. I promise you that. He's up and about. He's up and about. Um Okay, a few more bits and pieces to get through. If you are on Instagram, there is a fake Blue Abroad account that has been created and it's messaging people, asking them for screenshots, for competitions. I think this means it's the end of doing competitions for game day. Maybe I just won't do one this week, but um, you'll know the account. You'll see it. You'll see the bio. It's clearly not me. Please be careful of that. Do not send them screenshots. Um, the only account on Instagram is blue abroad official and that's me. Um, so please just be careful of that scam account. I think Pom, I think I've made it. Got a fake account. <laughs> Come on. We, we, we've had a few burner accounts of us through the years, haven't we? But yeah, this one's a bad one. The other ones have been comical. Yeah. Stay away from him. T Terry will never ask for your money. Can't <laughs> they? And, and, and you don't, you guys have got enough in your history when Poms come and ask you for money. So, uh, do you know what I mean? Don't give Poms anything. I tell you, historically, yeah. it's not good. Now, big promo tonight. So, last week, the Jumper Punch, Tuesday, 8 p.m., was it was episode uh, 29, and they had Heath Scotland, which was a great interview, a great Carlton man. I am really excited to show you the promo for episode 30. So, let's just have a look and see who they've got. If you thought I played on the edge run at Carlton, check out the boys at the Jump Punch every Tuesday at 8 p.m.
Incredible. Now, I'm just letting you all know that this is an interview that you you, you can't miss. You cannot miss. Um, they will have a snippet of it tomorrow in the show at 8 p.m. I think they're recording right now, to be honest. Um, and then the full interview will go on the Jumper Punch YouTube channel. And let me tell you right now, I don't want to give much away, but Rocco asks Jared Waite straight up what happened. And Jared Waite tells him exactly how it was. So you do not want to miss it. I don't know if there's many interviews with Jared Waite out there about what happened at Carlton. Um, so it's going to be a really refreshing one. And it's just been really good to see the um, the progression of the jumper punch and, and the way they're going along. And it's just really cool to see everyone, even you, Pom, you just uh, ticking along and developing the way you have. And uh, it's all it's all coming along nicely. So to see the types of interviews the, the boys are getting on the jumper punch, to see the watch-alongs that you're doing, mate, to see Joe and Dan and Jules, almost Blues Brothers doing their thing. Then you see young Ari coming into the fold now. It's just, it's just an exciting time. Oh, thank you, mate. Well, I mean, Fabo, no, Jumper Punch is like the show he's just mentioned, fantasy football in the UK. It reminds me a lot of that. It's lighthearted, gets to the point, though. It's good fun. But now, nah, thank you very much for the opportunity. I mean, I don't know if you saw my video the other day on Pominos. We actually brought back the jumper, the favourite Pom jumper. I did see it. He <laughs> <laughs> <It> came back. <laughs> I did see it. I did see it. It's. Uh, I think we might need to do a video with it. To be honest, another one. Yeah, well, I'll bring it out for the for the draft previews. We'll bring it out or something. We'll bring it I out. The, we don't bring it out very often. No, we don't. We don't. Um, I think. I think that is all. Unless I'm forgetting something. Uh, I think that is all. Pom, thanks very much for tuning in. It's always. It always ends up uh, being a positive, a positive time at the end of a Blue Abroad show when you're on there. So appreciate that, mate. Ladies and gents, thanks for joining tonight. Stick together. We're going to beat Port this week. Not a problem in the world. Can't wait for that to come back and burn me. But we will, we will respond. Have a good night. Go the Mighty Blues. Go Blues.